If you would, read with me from Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You can be seated. Well, the passage that we read from Romans chapter 12 is, is one of my favorites. And I know it feels like I say that every single week. But uh, this one is, is one of my favorites because of that word transformed. Because I was a, a, a boy that was born in 1980, raised in the, the 80s and 90s. One of the, the, the toys that I loved playing with, one of my favorite cartoons was the Transformers. It was the, these uh, kind of robots that they they appeared as if they were a a normal car or a truck or or a plane but as the slogan says there's more than meets the eyes and this this normal looking thing could be transformed into something that was more powerful there's something that 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 captivated the heart of of young men uh, of this this transforming process of being changed from something that is ordinary, something that is, is normal, into something that is powerful. I think that's why we're drawn to so many of the superheroes that we are. The, the stories of, of ordinary people, and, and yet they possess extraordinary power. Last year, we, we started a study of the book of Acts, and we got, got through the first eight chapters. And the last sermon w- w- kind of left with, a, with the, the, the title being Unfinished. That this, this message of Jesus that was to go to the ends of, of the earth, in Acts chapter 8, we, we leave, and it's still kind of in Jerusalem and the surrounding area. And we're going to pick up there for three weeks now, and we're going to look at, at three transformation stories. Two of them are individuals. One is a community of faith that is transformed. And this story is, is so impactful because it is a, a story of, of an army of ordinary people that, that are scared, that are terrified, that are facing a lot of odds. And yet whenever you get to Acts 17, verse 6, we're told that that they are flipping the world upside down. The question I want to pose is, is that still possible? Is it still possible for a group of followers of Jesus to be be outnumbered, to, to, to have everything going against them, to have very little power, and yet be transformed in in such a way that they start to influence an entire community. That they start to flip the world upside down. And for us, that begins with the man by the name of Saul. In Acts chapter 9, we're we're introduced to Saul. And and Saul appears on the scene as this man who is, is one that is committed to God. He is sincere in his faith. But sincerity doesn't mean that you're right. 
last week in, in the Bible class, before we got started, uh, the class that I was teaching, we started talking about uh, one of the couples, they have a, a teenager that is starting to learn how to drive, and they were talking about the joys of that, and, and they kind of look at me knowing that, that I've got four and that, that I'm going to get, get to, to enjoy that. And, and I said, well, I, I've already kind of experienced that a little bit, that I have a niece that she's now, I believe, 20, and uh, when she started learning to drive, my wife and I, we lived in this, this rural community, and she lived in, uh, in Dallas. And so she, she uh, wasn't able to just learn very easily to drive in, in the Metroplex of Dallas. And so she came to stay with us for a week, and, and, and I, I remember taking her out uh, to drive out on this country road. And a long story short, we ended up in a ditch. And, and I'm sharing this story, and uh, my wife is in the, in the class, and she says, that wasn't you. That was me. I said, no, that, I was the one that was teaching her to drive. And so then she pulls, up her, pulls out her phone, and she texts my niece, and, and my niece corrects her, uh, me. And, and I, I, I was so sincere. I, I have these, these vivid memories of getting in the car. I can, I can take you to the place that I got out of the car and let her get into the driver's seat. But it was all wrong. You can be sincere. You, you can have pure motives and still be in need of correction. And that's where we find Saul. He is, is coming into uh, the, the area of Damascus. He's coming there with power from the temple. He's received authority from the, the, the high priest to, to come and arrest people who are followers of what, what uh, he calls the, the followers of the way. People who are following Jesus. So we pick up in verse 3, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Saul, he, he sees this, this blinding light, he hears a sound, and he begins to associate this experience with, with God. Bright light and, and loud noises throughout Scripture is often tied to a, a manifestation of God. And so he responds, Lord, what's happening? What's going on? What, what is this? he's surprised whenever that Lord is Jesus. Now Saul is, is familiar with Jerusalem. He, he lived in the area. He's heard the stories of Jesus. He is expecting a Messiah. He's a Jew too. But his problem with faith in Jesus is death. He cannot get past a dead Messiah. And so he goes out, and he is out to, to arrest. He's out to, to squash this movement. And Jesus demonstrates a strong move that God makes. That God extends a, a strong invitation to anyone. 
Saul is the last person that you would expect to become a follower of Jesus. The last thing he expected was to encounter the risen Messiah, but that's exactly what he did. Max Licato, a number of years ago, wrote a book titled 316, The Numbers of Hope. And that is a reference to John 3.16 that that speaks about about God's grace, the the invitation that is open to whoever believes in Jesus. And he takes each word in that verse and breaks it down. In the chapter, whoever, he tells about an uncle that he has that's a hard man. A man that, that he is not certain has a faith in Jesus. And his uncle has gotten ill, has cancer, is in the hospital, and he goes to visit his uncle. He shares with him the gospel, and he is converted to faith. He has certainty on what's going to happen after he passes. And he makes the point that whoever means whenever and wherever. That the invitation of Jesus has, has no limits. And yet, how often do the people of God place these limits on who God can save? Place these limits on who God is offering into the family of God. Certain classes of people, certain socioeconomic status, certain races or nationalities. Just look at the lengths that, that God goes to for Saul's transformation. He doesn't just come and visit Saul, but he sends a vision to another believer in Damascus. Verse 10, in Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. For he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. Have you ever felt the need to provide more information to God? You feel like God doesn't have all the pieces of the puzzle? That's what Ananias does. Ananias hears the call to go and speak to Saul, and he says, God, now wait a minute. Do you know who Saul is? Do you know what Saul is intending to do? And God isn't surprised. So how is it that that Saul is is transformed from from a persecutor to a preacher? How is it that that Ananias is transformed from this fearful man to, to he's willing to go? The strength of God's invitation is displayed in the resurrection. That is our most powerful testimony. 
and never lose sight of that. That Jesus Christ is still alive today. If you were to meet Chieko Wilson, she is a short-statured Japanese-American. She was raised in Nagasaki, Japan during uh, the, the time of, of World War II. She had a very uh, harsh childhood. Her, her father was, was abusive to her, frequently would, um, would beat her and, and have her tied up, her hands tied over her head and leave her there for hours on end. She was raised in a Shinto uh, family, a Shinto family. And yet, she is a follower of Jesus. Because in those moments, whenever she was being beaten and she was reaching the point of, of passing out, she started to have these visions of, of this, this person that she'd never seen before. She later would, would pass by Christian churches and would see this person that she had, had seen in those visions years ago hanging on a cross. She began to ask questions uh, about this man and learned that he was Jesus. And, and if you're like me, you hear that story and you get all kinds of skeptical. Because those stories don't happen. Th those are stories that, that you read about. Those are not stories that, that, that you know somebody that, that has experienced. Those are stories that, that you don't experience yourself. But is that objection based in, in reality or is it an objection that is, is based on our lack of faith in what God can do, what God has done? The strong invitation that He is continuing to offer to people all across the world to anyone who will come. So Ananias goes and perhaps the most powerful words in this story are uttered by Ananias verse 17 Ananias went to the house and entered it placing his hands on Saul he said brother Saul brother just a few moments before he was talking about how evil and vile this man is, and the first words that he speaks to Saul is, Brother Saul. Because the strong bonds, the blood of Christ, overcomes any kind of difference that there may be. Any kind of, of difference that, that may exist between people, the blood of Christ is strong enough to overcome that. It is a uniting force. And there is a great need for this kind of transformation in the world today. The divided world that we live in. It, it was a great need in, in the ancient world. And that's why Saul was not just called to receive the salvation, but he was called to go and proclaim the salvation. To proclaim the invitation. He immediately goes out 
verse 20, at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't, the man, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on, his, on, on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. I find this part ironic. That Luke wants us to see that that Saul is becoming more and more powerful. And the demonstration of that is he escapes in the middle of the night out a window. Saul entered Damascus with great power, with great bravado, and he leaves weak. The transformation that, that Saul experiences is, is one that, that, that is an example for all of us. That weak, it is strong. David Platt, the pastor and author, tells of a friend that has served as a missionary in a part of the world where to be baptized into Christ means that, that you are going to die. That, that family members, they take pride in, in bringing about your execution. And he was asking the friend, how, how is the gospel growing in that kind of environment? He said what they do is whenever someone is converted when somebody is baptized into Christ, that they then ask them to to make a list of all of their family members, all of their friends, everyone that they know, everyone that they've ever come across. And then they ask them to circle the ten names of the people who are least likely to kill them if they find out that they are a follower of Jesus. Then they say, now go and talk to those ten. That is discipleship. That is something that requires a, a transformation because they know the fear that you and I may live with whenever it comes to speaking about our faith. They know the the. the the anxiety that is caused whenever the conversation turns to, to, to faith and, and, and the differences between beliefs. And yet, they speak. Because the cross is not just how Jesus saved the world, it is the way in which His followers live out their life. It's through weakness. That's how the world is transformed. 
this story is what Saul brags about for the rest of his life. When he begins to brag about how powerful he is, he points to this story, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 30. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. I was lowered in a basket from a window in the wall and slipped through their hands. Because he had experienced the power of Christ. I want you to know Christ. That's the song that we're going to sing. It's I, I want to know Christ. There is power in His resurrection. And it, it changes the way that you live day in and day out. Some of our shepherds will be at the back of the worship center. I'll be at the front. If we can assist you in your faith journey, help you take another step of faith to experience a transformation, we invite you to come as we stand and sing together.